You are now listening to the Community Proud Podcast. All right, this is episode 29 of the Community Proud Podcast. With me today, we have DJ Sal Cortez. Thank you so much for joining me today. No, absolutely. Thank you for having me. Uh, I want to apologize to everyone here real quick. I am a little under the weather, so if I have a little <clears throat> during the uh, during our time, right, uh, right, right. I apologize. It's just, you know, part of the season. But um, thank you once again. Taking, I, I know you're probably really, really busy. You're... Like you said earlier, you have some stuff going on in your other office, repainting, you said. Right, right. And um, I'd imagine that's just one thing on top of, you know, many other things that you have already. Um, But this is how it's going to go. I'm going to start off with this warm-up question, and then we'll get right into it. All right, let's do it. So, I was talking to you a little bit earlier, and I saw this picture with E40. Oh, that's funny. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. 40 water. So, um... Could you tell us the story behind that picture? Okay. Um, that was actually not that long ago. We were um, we're part of, okay, so one of the things in being in the DJ, I guess being a DJ in the industry, one of the things you want to do is stay on top of your music, right? Mm-hmm. So we subscribe to multiple uh, DJ pools, and what that is is like member-only type stuff. So you, you pay your dues, and you have to register, and they qualify you, and you become part of that. Mm-hmm. So that right there has to do with Headliners Music Club, We'll put their stuff on there too for all the DJs out there. Really good stuff out there. So anyhow, what they do for their um, their members is about every two months, they'll bring in an artist. And it's really cool. So basically for that one with the E40, we were at a, I think it was the Dragon Lounge or it was a karaoke bar in uh, Hollywood. So they bring him in. He's on a small panel. DJs, the room's full. Everybody comes in and they actually host drinks, uh, light bites. It's, it's, a, it's a cool scene. It's pretty cool. So he's up there and we get to ask him questions. He gives a little history on, on you know, his, basically what we're doing here, but E40 on the other side with the crowd of DJs. Yeah. And then they turn it to the DJs and they allow you to ask questions. Okay. Uh, funny day with that one was when they tossed it out to the crowd, nobody, nobody asked any questions. So obviously I put my hand up and I had to throw a question at him. Yeah. So that, that led to another thing. There was a connection which led into a really long story uh, with him tying E40 all the way back to uh, New Orleans with Too Short and uh, all the other hip-hop artists. It just kind of came full circle. So after the conference and after we went through all of that stuff, you get to hang out, mingle. Uh, he's on the stage. You guys get to go up and just basically hang out with them. So cool. the bottle that I'm holding there, I wasn't turning up. It wasn't yeah. anything. Yeah. Uh, E40 has his own line of liquor, alcohol, beer, whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, back in the day, he, he's... He's known for creating his own drinks. Mm-hmm. 40 water is a 40 ounce beer. You could probably get it at Bedmo. Um, then he came up with Slurricane, which was a song. So I bought a bottle. I brought a bottle of Slurricane. That was a tongue twister. For him to sign. Yeah. So again, I was the only one that walked in with some. It was kind of corny, kind of cheesy, but I used to bump E40 when I was younger. Yeah. So to me, it was pretty cool. It was, it was a moment that I, I really had fun with. And taking that bottle of Slurricane for him to sign was just something I did. That's awesome. Yeah. That's something that, I mean, that sounds like something I would want to do with my favorite artist, which is Tyler the Creator. Yeah, I would, right. I would want to see just like a piece of his merch or right, right. anything that he's done. He's done all sorts of stuff with merch and stuff like that, but uh, it sounds like something I would do too. Right, right. So that, that's what that was. Yeah. So basically, we just got to hang out, uh, have a few drinks, and chop it up with the E40. That's what that was. That's awesome. Yeah. So let's get right into things. Um, we're gonna start with a little bit of your early life. Mm-hmm. Um, so where are you from? Where did you grow up? Uh, 
born and raised in the Central Valley, so uh, I spent my elementary years in uh, Dinuba, of all places. So okay. I grew up across the street from the projects. I don't think a lot of people know that, so we'll, we'll put a lot of it on the table here so people can actually learn who I am. Okay. Um, but grew up in Dinuba till uh, I think it was sixth grade that I moved to Visalia. And uh, I spent basically from junior high and my formative years were here in Visalia. Okay. So. so what was high school? I was skip all the way to high school. What was right around school? the corner, Redwood High School. So. Okay. And uh, I, was a, I was actually a shit student. I was not good at high school. Um, you know, one of the things that they didn't teach you back then was, or I guess when I was younger, I'm a lot older. I don't know if you know how old I am exactly, but uh, I grew up. I grew up 20s. in the <laughs> yeah, right. I grew up in the '90s, um, so I'm, I'm right now. I'm 43, 43 years old. Ooh, I was at 41 max. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 43. So um, 23. Yeah, okay. <laughs> He's scoring points right now, right? <laughs> Um, so, you have nothing for sale, Destiny. Yeah, right. You don't have slurricane. Right, no slurricane. Um, but no, I, uh, I I went to Redwood. I was a shit student. Dropped, not dropped out, but I ended up going to independent study for a couple of years, and then I went back my senior year to graduate. So okay. uh, nothing with sports or anything. I've always been. I love working. I've always been kind of a hands-on kind of guy. So as long as I can remember, my first job I took, I was 13 years old, and I have not had a time in my life ever where I didn't have a job or three. Okay. So, uh, so where did that sort of working drive come from, do you think? Honestly, I don't know that it's in the DNA. My On my dad's side of the family, everybody just works their faces off. So okay. whatever it is that they're in, they just grind and constantly work, hustle. Um, when I think back to all of my uncles and uh, aunts and everybody on that side, I think it's just the Cortez blood that just, there's something in it where they just work. Um, my memory of my dad was from 6 a.m. to 9 p.m. every day really? he was working he just there was never any stop there so I don't know I think it was just something that I learned or that was bred into me what did your dad do um, he was a mechanic and he's still at the same place so talk about uh, um, longevity he still works for the place that he worked a year before I was born really yeah same owners the owner the company has actually uh, gone they stopped producing what they produced, but they mm -hmm. kept him on the staff to basically just manage their properties. That's awesome. So, yeah, yeah right, very cool. interesting. So what was some of the early work that you would do? Oh, I've done everything, and, and I hope for I hope everyone's had the experience of doing hard labor. Mm -hmm. um, I've done everything from, my very first job was mowing lawns. Okay. Um, you know, working for a landscaper. They would drop me off at a complex with a lawnmower and a rake and say, get it done, I'll be back in eight hours. Wow. So there was that throughout the summer. Um, worked in a lumber yard. Those that are from Visalia would remember Lumberjack. It was where the old theater is down on Mooney. Um, they've torn it down and done a whole bunch of stuff with it. But uh, I worked in a lumber yard in the yard, so I was sharing this story with my wife the other day. Um, I remember 15, 16, I think 15 and a half you get a job. So I was, that was the worst job ever. But I, I actually, I think back to it, I have some fond memories of it. Yeah. So if you can imagine in the summertime, loading a hand loading a thousand bricks into the back of a van on a 110 degree day on a blacktop. Or we gotta go deliver um, shingles, the things that go on the roof. Uh -huh. So basically my job would be climb up the, there was this boom that would go over the, the house and on a 110 degree day, mm -hmm. you grab these 80 pound bags of shingles 
as they come off a conveyor belt, you throw them on your shoulder, you walk across the roof, you drop them off and you do the next one. So you do that for an hour and a half in the middle of summer. So that was another job. And then during that time, I delivered pizzas. I worked at Thrifty's Ice Cream. I was an ice cream scooper. So I've done a ton of stuff. I've done a ton of stuff. Furniture mover. Uh, and then um, from there, I, one of my, I guess I would say, one of the times where I feel like I really wasted a lot of time was uh, I spent five years at a factory. And I did mechanic work and, you know, I started on the bottom of the line, but wasted five years of just doing stuff a robot can do. So when I think back to that, I was like, man, I wish I could have that five years back. Cause it was one of those things where you just show up and you do something that's robotic, that yeah. really doesn't require any thought whatsoever. And I remember doing that and my brain would just be going nuts. I would be thinking what, I would have to entertain myself to be able to do that job. Mm -hmm. Headphones, I'd have a magazine propped up or even taped up there so I could read what I was doing. Like, really? yeah, yeah. So that was probably the worst time or worst job I ever had. I think I'd much rather would have been up on the roof, at least I would have been building some muscles or something, mm -hmm. rather than uh, doing something a robot could do. Okay, yeah. yeah. Did you have any like friends or anything that were kind of, what, what are some of the things that they would say? It actually, when it came to what I was doing at the time, it was like a lot of my guy, my friends were kind of in the same zone, mm -hmm. just kind of doing what they could, not what they wanted to, or not what they were aspiring to do. They were just doing what they could to, to, to do, take care of their necess necessities, I should say. Okay. Yeah. Did you have any, I guess you can call them kind of, kind of like haters in high school? Like if you didn't go to school, you said you just wanted to go to work? No, man. Um, I, I can't say that I did. I had... You know, I, I had a, a small group of buddies that I hung out with. Mm -hmm. uh, one of them was my cousin. You know, him and I were, were, were partners. We were, we were everywhere together. Mm -hmm. But uh, no, I wouldn't say that. It was just, we'd work, hang out, have fun, go back and work some more. Yeah. yeah. And let me go back a little bit. What, is, what did your mom do? So my mom, when I was younger, started beauty college. Because I remember being a real young kid when she started and then she became a beautician. Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, at 75, and I shouldn't just give that credit to my dad's side because my mom's 75. She retired uh, eight years ago, but she still works part time because she can't just sit at home. So, uh, I, yeah, from both sides, I guess I just that that work hustle was just bred in. Yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah. I feel like just growing up and probably even now, I imagine you just have a lot more discipline than what your peers might have at that time. Yeah, yeah, I would say so. Even just just getting a job early on at 13 and, mm -hmm. and having to get something done, I don't know that. Um, I don't know. I don't. I don't see a lot of people doing that anymore. Yeah, I'm sure they're out there, but uh, I don't see it too often. Where it's like you're just working, you know, especially from that young of an age. Yeah. Um, let me think. I just had a question. Um, okay, so during all that, was there any sign of you becoming what? you have today oh absolutely absolutely so let's go back to my mom so my mom's a really outgoing person really fun to be around um put it to this day um my sisters my mom and my wife went to uh, i think it was a luke bryant concert a couple week, weeks ago so one of the things i did for them that i thought was a really cool treat was uh, i treated them to a, a limo through a buddy of ours mm -hmm. so I, I rented the limo it was a total surprise for her but my sisters, my wife, my mom all hop in the car. They head down to the concert. But on the way, they were picking up my other sisters. Yeah. They pull up to one of my sister's house and my mom, so the story goes, is hanging out the window, 75-year-old woman with a bottle of champagne going, woo! So that, that's the kind of person my mom is to this day that's at awesome. 75 years old. That's awesome. So, yeah. Uh, so 
Her, going all the way back to my younger years, as long as I can remember, she would throw this giant party every single year. It was the, it was the, the luau. Mm. We're talking, we spent months preparing for it, right? So it was building the tiki huts and my mom having, you know, my brothers and sisters cut down palm leaves so they could do all this work, all gearing up to this once a year event that she would put together. Um, when I became, I guess, aware enough, I was a guy playing the music for those parties. Mm -hmm. So there'd be albums, there'd be funky, weird turntables that, that were just not made for DJing, but yeah. they'd be connected to a whole bunch of hodgepodge of speakers. Mm -hmm. And at, I would say probably around seven or eight years old, I was the guy playing those records for all of my mom and you know my uncles and uh, her cousins and extended family. So I would say from probably seven, eight years old, wow. I, started, I started playing music for people. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting that you say that because I feel like especially now that so many people like when they get into high school and a little bit after high school they're, they're just having a hard time just finding out what they want to do but it sounded like you already knew. Like you no I didn't because the, well, what's funny is I actually really enjoyed that. I would do things like uh, go to the backyard. So I definitely had something kept pushing me towards music. Mm -hmm. I never became a musician. I don't know how to play an instrument, mm -hmm. but I just love music. Um, Friday nights, there'd be a mix show. And I remember being a kid, eight years old, trying to make my own antenna out of coat hangers and stuff yeah. so that I could pick up this radio station that was coming out of Fresno State that was a, uh, a, a radio station that they sent out hip-hop music like on Fridays mm -hmm. and I would do everything that I could to try to get that and here's giving up my age back in the day cassette tapes you ever seen a cassette tape uh, yes I have <laughs> so to record what I would do is cassette tapes had little holes in them and if you wanted to record over what was in there, you had to make a little spitball or a piece of tape and you stick it in there, you put it in there, hit it, and you hit record. So I would do that to record all the music that was coming through, static and all. But, um, you know, I didn't know that this could actually be something. Um, aside from all those younger year, all that work I did in my younger years, um, flash forward, I ended up working uh, for the county health department. Um, spent 10 years there, my last stint of it, was under a government contract that left me in a position that I could actually take a little leap. And that's kind of when I created Bliss. But that entire time that I was working for the county and doing all these other things, DJing wasn't a real thing. So, you know, I was doing nightclubs, I was doing nightlife parties, backyard boogies, literally everything that you could go to play music on the weekends or after hours. Um, but it was always like, when are you gonna stop doing that? When are you gonna quit? You know, when are you gonna get serious about your job? Mm -hmm. You're nine to five. Yeah. So to me, everybody kept suppressing that part of it and it kept me suppressed. I stayed down there. I was like, yeah, this isn't real. I can't really do nothing with this. Mm -hmm. Until that last year that I was actually working for County of Fresno, um, it was under a contract and it was coming up to an end. But that last year I said, you know what? We're gonna dive in, we're gonna, uh, my partner JR, I was like, we're gonna we're gonna get together. We're gonna start doing bridal expos. We're gonna try to get more into the wedding game because there was just more business. It was a different type of event. Um, budgets were a little bit better than working nightlife and this other stuff. So it was like, if we want to create a living, we've got to go where that is. So that year before that contract expired, which was in 2013, so 2012 to 2013, we did our very first bridal show. A couple of dudes showed up, went behind the ears, didn't really know what to expect. Mm -hmm. And we weren't 
people didn't really take to us at first. It was like, oh, these guys coming into the wedding market, right? Yeah. What do these guys know about it? So we did that year one after that first show, we were able to come up with about 80 events for the year. So JR and I, you know, either working them together or splitting them to do those events. Um, that turned into, you know, 80 events that first year were the contract's over and we're doing it full time. Um, after that first year, it was so successful, we doubled to 160 events the next year. Wow. Opened up an office, you know, which is down on Mooney now, but we opened up that office and that became our headquarters. And ever since then, up until last year, we closed out last year with over 300 events. Wow. 200 total weddings. Uh, we've got five guys working in the Bliss umbrella. Mm -hmm. um, it's just grown. Yeah. But a lot of that has to do with our, our background that just built up and snowballed in the, the work that we put into it. Mm -hmm. That's, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, it's pretty. It, it, it was a crazy ride. I was didn't know what to expect, but I found that, and I thought about it. And everybody says, you know, it every it'll happen at the right time or when you're ready. Mm. I feel like if I didn't spend all those years of, of listening to everybody say, well, you know, when are you gonna get a real job? When are you gonna quit playing with your records or DJing or whatever? Um, which is funny because I was a, a, a part owner of a record shop early on. And even when I owned the record shop, they were still like, you know, when are you gonna get serious about, about what you do? Really? So nobody around me ever thought that that could be a career or it could actually be something. It was like, you have this county job, go, go be the county guy. Yeah. But it was, um, wasn't satisfying. Um, and no knock, cause I'm sure there's departments are, but mm -hmm. the county job was like, you show up in the morning, like, hey, good morning, everybody. And you know, they'd look at you and they'd be like, oh, what's so good about it? They hated yeah. their job, they hated being there. Mm -hmm. And it was like, well, we got all our digits, um, we're here to help people, there's things we can do. There was, it was just so negative and suppressive in that as well. It was always the weekends and the music and the, yeah. the creative outlet that, that kind of kept me level from going crazy. Cause I think if I only did the, the, the county job, I'd probably be in a hospital somewhere yeah. uh, uh, with the meltdown. But anyways, uh, that first year, man, that, that first year from 80 to 160 events is where I was like, oh shit, this is real. Like, we can do something with this. Mm -hmm. And and that's what we're doing. We, we poured everything into it, our heart, our soul, and everything we do is for this company, for our clients. Okay. So you said that you were in this sort of like suppressive state. Was it just the business moving forward? Is that what kind of pulled you out or was it something more personal than that? No, I think it was once once we did that first wedding show, I fell in love with everything about it. Okay. Um, nightlife events are cool to a certain point, but as I was getting older as well, I didn't want to be around a certain thing, I should say. So, and, and it feels like it was always just kind of programmed. It almost became robotic, like going back to, to doing the job that, that you know, a robot could do. Um, it was the same songs, the same music, the same format. And when you try to deviate from that in a nightlife setting, they didn't want that. You could be bumping something that everybody knows, a uh, uh, too short blow to whistle and everybody's, you know, it goes on and on. They're doing their thing. Yeah. And then you go, you know what, I'm gonna try this new song. And you drop a new song in and then they stop and stare at you like, what's this? So I wanna talk to you now about the actual logo itself and the name itself. So okay. how did you come up with Bliss, the name. It was, uh, I think, if I remember right or correctly, it was one of those shower thoughts. Mm -hmm. It was, you know, that I think that's the one time that I can actually sit there and just turn off everything. And what's funny is I always got a podcast playing in the background. And what's funny is I'll put it on 
I'll yeah. connect it to a Bluetooth speaker, it'll be loud. And I do, I get in the shower and I'm doing my thing and I'm not even listening to it anymore because mm -hmm. I'm with my thoughts. Yeah. So I think when I was thinking about wedding, it was like, wedding game, we gotta do something that just ties in overall, but not just, um, cause we ended up coming up with Bliss Event, I came up with Bliss Events Group with using the word bliss cause it just related to the wedding industry and happiness and bringing joy and, and what, what with what we do, it was like, man, it's, it's gotta be bliss. We gotta bring bliss to every event. Yeah. And that's where that came from. Um, the event group, actually, I stole that name. I used to work for a company when I was, I, I spent a couple of years down in LA, three years. And I was working for this company that worked for Sony Pictures. So it was a subcontract comp company where we would install furniture and all the, the executive offices. Mm -hmm. So it was pretty cool. We worked out of like a 300,000 square foot warehouse full of furniture, old movie props, really cool stuff. Yeah. And we would go deliver it. But the name of that company was Davidson Resource Group. So there were a resource group for the movie lot. Mm -hmm. So I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. I wanted to be a resource group for the entertainment industry, mm -hmm. the wedding industry. So hence came the name, you know, the bliss, happiness, whatever. Yeah. Resource group is what I've, I have in mind. Awesome. Yeah. So what does that name bliss mean, or the word itself bliss mean to you? It means exactly what it is. I mean, it, I, I can't take it any yeah. further than, I mean, when you hear bliss, what do you think? You're just like, Heaven, birds singing, you know, uh, what is it when, when Cinderella wakes up and everything's just surrounded? That's just bliss, man. Yeah. So for me, as a matter of fact, I know this is going to take a moment, but I want to share something with you. This is probably my most favorite moment ever in DJing. Well, I got two and they happened in the last couple of years. So if you'll give me a moment, I want to show you because I want to show you a picture of really what bliss means to me. Okay. So I was doing a wedding last year mm -hmm. and... Um, and we're getting back to what bliss is and what it is to me. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know it until this moment. So of course, everything that we just talked about and happiness and everything, but it, this was the moment. Um, I'm gonna pull it up here in a second. So I'll give you the back end. Okay. So I'm at Wolf Lakes and I'm DJing a wedding. And this woman comes up in front of me and she's got this thing on her head so you can tell, you know, you start thinking cancer, there's something going on there, right? She, you could tell that she had something ailing her. Um, but she walks up and she's got the biggest, brightest smile on her face. And I'm here on my council, I'm DJing and she's literally right there and she walks up, there's like a step lower, so she's like right here and she's like, she goes, and she points at my speaker. And I've seen her over here off to the side, she was just kind of feeling the groove and just kind of watching everybody with this big smile. Mm -hmm. And then when she turned around and she's like, she's telling me, she's like, and I was like, she goes, she goes, I want to come around. So I was like, yeah, come on by, come around. Mm -hmm. So she gets, she, she comes around the DJ booth and she walks up to the speaker and she puts her hand on it and she's just dancing and she's feeling it, right? Yeah. She's totally in that moment. Let me show you the picture. She was deaf. So this is her, let me see here. I want to show you. This is her just completely feeling the music. And in a moment where she couldn't hear what was going on, but she could feel the energy. She could feel the vibe of the room. And it was just filling her full of joy. I mean, I thought Look that was, smile, dude, you can't beat that. Yeah. So that moment, in that moment, I've, I've never felt, and, and I know you're not supposed to carry pride with you, but I was never more happy and proud to yeah. have been a DJ in that moment and help her feel that way. Because how often does she get to feel that way? I mean, probably not very often. So, so if you ask me what's bliss, that's bliss. That's awesome. That's it right there. That that was one of my best moments ever. That's 
awesome. Yeah, I, and I, I've done some cool stuff DJing in different places, and I can talk about that, but that by far is my favorite. That's, that's amazing. I mean, if she could just, she, she could just teach so many people with just that video right there, if you know what I mean. Like, right, so, right. so many people take these things, circumstances that happen to them, and they choose to be miserable. Obviously, it's kind of a it's bad circumstance. Right, 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 right. At that point, you have a decision to make. She chose to be happy. Right. She, oh, could, she could be sitting at home at that point and be like, oh, I'm, I'm deaf, I'm sick, I'm whatever, and could have had this attitude about it, right? And that's what a lot of people do. But she chose to take what she has and I mean it, it was like you would hardly even know honestly because she was just having a good time she was just into it yeah, yeah she chose uh, to have that yeah. good attitude yeah that was cool she absolutely did not one of the things I know a lot of people carry with themselves you know whatever their circumstances are some people will carry what you're talking about I call it uh, a being a victim you know what I mean of yeah. whatever the circumstances are mm -hmm. I learned a long time ago to appreciate everything I had and I know for a fact any problem that I could ever possibly have is never worse than what I witnessed personally. So in my younger years, in 2000, uh, in the 2001, I lost a younger brother. Um, he was a victim of homicide, and it happened down the street from the from our house. So to watch my mom and my dad go through the pain of losing their baby, their the youngest of all siblings, um, go through that, nothing was, nothing could compare to that. I don't think your own demise could compare to that mm -hmm. of losing your baby your child period yeah. um so after that that moment and when that happened whenever it came i'd hear somebody bitching about a bill complaining about um a dead battery a flat tire yeah. oh bad hair day oh shit you know my my shoe i got i got ugly shoe. whatever it is yeah. it just sounded like complete horseshit to me because mm -hmm. i watched somebody go and still go through you know in their moments one of the worst periods in their life. Yeah. And it has nothing to do with money, circumstances, what your hair looks like, whatever. Because you know, one of the things you can't buy is health, you can't buy life. Yeah. You just can't do it. So when people have circumstances and they can still be happy in the moment or whatever it is, it's never gonna be as bad as that. She can't hear the music, but she can feel it and enjoy it. Mm -hmm. and, and again, if I can do what we do, if I can provide that moment for somebody, Dude, that's what we're here for. Yeah. So, you know, helping people on the biggest day of their life, there's never a day beyond a wedding day that any one person is going to throw that large of an event for themselves. So to be a part of it, help them celebrate their, you know, them beginning their new legacy mm -hmm. uh, as a wedding DJ. This is probably not going the direction you thought, huh? Because it was like, a lot of people think DJ, cool, cutting, scratching. Honestly, um, if I'm being completely honest, yeah. I don't know anything about DJing and uh -huh. doing all this out of front with that. So I was, I don't ever, and because of that, because of this right now, and because of other stuff I don't know about, right, right. In the past, I don't really come with any expectations. Good, I just, okay. Yeah, I just start and Okay, very cool. But most of the people think when they think DJ, you know, party, woohoo, and uh, and and just the the that side of it. Mm -hmm. And for me, it's it's really because it's a passion. There's just so many other layers to it. Mm -hmm. it it's just completely different for me. Yeah. I want to talk about a little bit of some of the things you've gone through while I guess building up the business that you have now. Mm -hmm. um, what are some of the things that you've? I mean. What would be a better way to word this? Like, 
I don't want to sound repetitive either. Like, what well, I ask this like almost every podcast. Like, okay. What's, what's one of your favorite failures that's happened? Favorite failures. Because, you know, everyone's got that certain something that happened to them. And they just kind of look back at it, like, oh man, I'll never do that again. Hmm. Hmm. Think I I've gotta be super thankful that, that I don't think I've ever had a major failure that really stands out. Mm-hmm. Um, man, I'm really thinking about this one. I've been at events where things have happened, but like an overall failure, a lot of that happened in my, I guess, younger years with other things. Like we just produced a wedding expo and uh, producing an event moving forward after my biggest failure, I guess in business period was I produced a uh, event in 2008, which was a kind of a car show slash concert thing at the Visalia Convention Center. And that was probably my biggest loss ever. I wasn't committed to it, although I, I committed to it. I didn't commit myself to promoting and creating the event that it was, and I lost a shit ton of money. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was after that that it put me so far in a hole, and that was kind of a bad year for me. Uh, 08, 09, you know, house foreclosed, one of those bad loans. Yeah. Um, transition in jobs like there was just a lot of negative stuff going on at that time mm-hmm. and and to say that DJing that I had a failure that was probably the one thing that stayed consistent even through the bad times was even though I was you know transitioning jobs losing the house doing all these di- other things I could still go out on the weekends and just kind of disconnect from all of that and mm-hmm. actually just be in the moment doing the creative stuff with the DJing but so I guess the biggest failure would be as far as work or production would be that event from 2008 that just was a complete flop. It was really scary because, you know, that year one that we had those 80 events um, and I decided, you know what, we're going to get a shop. We're going to get an office front. That's going to make us more legit. We're going to be brick and mortar. Mm -hmm. So even doing that was scary because it was like, man, I got to pay not only my rent, but now I got to pay office rent. Now I've got to pay utilities and business licenses. And literally I had to furnish the place like, I was doing budgeting and and my what the work that we had if if it was like literally on the line to where I would probably have two cents in my account at the end of every month but I don't know that putting ourselves in that predicament created that that uh, or ignited that fire that we had in our belly to go even harder Mm -hmm. it was like throwing you know gas on it because we worked harder and we never felt it so even from that year one where it's like, okay, now I've got, you know, a couple extra thousand dollars in bills this, you know, from now on, mm-hmm. um, we just managed to actually go out and get enough work so that we could actually take care of that. And again, it was just one thing, just like he said, one foot in front of the next, one thing just kept leading to another. And mm-hmm. we have not felt any struggle. Um, we have had no issues connecting with, you know, within the industry itself. So thank God, you know, I hope there's nothing in our future that, yeah. that would be a negative, but as far as bliss is concerned, I, I can't say that we've had any. That's good. That's that's an amazing yeah. thing to happen. I mean, yeah. I feel I, like even with this podcast, I feel like I just run out of guests every weekend. <laughs> right. No, no, but really though, I mean, it's, it's even, it, this is just a little podcast and I feel like I run out of guests and run out of things to do. And, here you are you, you, this whole thing has just thrived yeah so. yeah and I've, I've got and and this is where it gets better because everything is in connections right um here's a little tip i've i know kindle loves the pod doing listening just random podcasts right so one of the ones i was listening to i think it was donald miller who was with brand story um look that up 
um, one of the things that we're talking about was his, his buddy who went to Harvard Business School or somebody went to Harvard Business School and the one thing that they teach at Harvard Business School from day one to graduation day is business is just relationships. Your business is podcasting. Your business is relationships. Relationship with Kendall got me in here. Now the relationship that you now have with me because of Kendall, I got people I can bring to you that are pretty interesting that you could actually have on this podcast. So it just kind of, we create an ecosystem through relationships. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. By the yeah, way. no, absolutely. Um, but I was saying this on last week's podcast, like that's what community is all about to me. Right. Just helping each other out. Hey, you're doing this in the community. I'm doing this in the community. Let's come together and brainstorm like, hey, how can we make this work for both of us? So we can both thrive in this community together, and that's you know just one of the reasons why I started this podcast. It's a you know it's a whole other story, mm -hmm. but that's exactly what community crowd podcast means to me. Just coming together as a community, helping each other out. Love that. Love that. Nice. So, um, I want to talk about if someone else would want to start doing what you're doing. Um, let's say that. They're probably, let's say that they're my age and they're, they're you know, trying to figure things out. I'm 20, by the way. Um, maybe they're, they don't have that big of a budget. Maybe they don't, they think they don't know how, they don't know a lot of people, you know, whatever excuse that they can think of. Um, what are some of the things that they could do to help themselves out if they want to get into DJing? To help themselves out, it would definitely be, well, number one, if that's what they're going for, obviously there's something inside of them kind of gravitating them towards that world. So it, it's really not that hard. It's it's finding somebody that you know, finding a DJ that's actually, you like what they're doing. Um, and it would be something like just reaching out to them and, hey man, I, I, can I shadow? Can I help? Can I lug cases? Can I do something to help you do what you do? Um, that would probably be the easiest way to actually becoming a DJ there's no direct path it's not like you go get a, a you know a bachelor's in DJing yeah. and then you go you know submit resumes and get hired by XYZ it just doesn't work that way uh, not for this at least so that would probably be the best way to do it I would say is is find somebody that's thriving mm -hmm. um, and you like their model and and kind of get yourself into it just like anything else don't go in there asking for pay. Don't go in yeah. there asking, you know, uh, hey, uh, you know, you're, you're lucky to have me, so you know, I'm gonna be with you this weekend. It's gonna be more of a, what can I do? What can I bring to you? How can I help you do what you do or help you be better? Mm -hmm. And then from there, it's just, you gotta go in like a dry sponge and soak up as much as you can. Um, for instance, a great example of that is, is JR, guy we were just talking about earlier. Um, JR, I met him on his 21st birthday. I was DJing a nightclub. He walked in and he was like, man, he, uh, if you ever meet JR, he's just a ball of energy, a big smile on his face. Mm -hmm. And he was like, I want to do what you're doing. Teach me how to do that. And for the next two years, every, like clockwork, Monday or Tuesday, hey, brother, where are we going to be at this weekend? What are we doing? Mm -hmm. Show up, no pay, pure sweat equity, lugging cases, rolling up cords, laying out cords, setting up speakers, doing all this stuff. He did that for two years solid. And we're talking probably, I don't know, an easy hundred events mm -hmm. where I would take care of him, but he had no expectation of pay, no expectation of nothing other than show me how to do this. So uh, to today, he, he's doing probably 60, 50, 60 bliss events a year 
which are higher end events. He's doing weddings, uh, a lot of our corporate stuff, and he, he's the guy. He's our, he's my guy. That's awesome. So yeah. So again, there it would be just get out there and put in some sweat equity. Okay. Um, I was gonna say a little bit ago that. Uh, that's what equity, equity thing that you were talking about. Right. Reminds me a lot about uh, Gary V. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. yeah he he calls it dirt, right? He calls yeah. it dirt. Doing, yeah. doing the work. Yeah, just do like exactly what you just said. Whatever you want to do, go to someone that's done it before and shadow them. Yeah, it, it's it, it all goes back to even like the same thing that you never wanted to hear from your parents, right? Mm -hmm. They know better, they're trying to teach you better, but sometimes you kind of resist it. Yeah. You gotta you gotta open up and, and accept it and, and it'll it'll definitely make the road easier. Because yeah. I know if I listened to some of the stuff my parents said, some of the paths I took would have been a lot easier. Mm -hmm. But I went against it, but sometimes you're not open to it. You gotta be open to it, especially if it's mm -hmm. something that you're really passionate about. Yeah. So the year is 2025, Sal. Where do you see yourself and bliss ooh, at that time. Ooh, ooh. I love that question. Um, I want to. I want to keep growing and evolving. I've got some top secret projects in the works right now that awesome. we're working on. Awesome. But definitely, actually, one of my, my ultimate goals is like you love community. I I love coffee and community. Yeah. So my goal is to kind of just create uh, my own little version of a, of a coffee shop. Don't want anything like a like a, a Starbucks, nothing like that, but something that's just really authentic, really good, really cool. But I want to be able to, to, to mix the community, the work, the art, the DJ and the music and coffee all into one thing. So, but uh, yeah, I've got a couple of projects that are coming up really cool and I want to keep growing the wedding vendor community, uh, the business community with anything that has to do with events. And that's what those projects actually are, are aimed to do. So it's going to pull everyone in a little closer, make it a little bit tighter, a little bit stronger, and uh, um, help them shine bright. So I want to help other people be better at what they do. Okay. Uh, I call this next question the billboard question. Okay. If you could have a billboard for the entire world and they had to look at that billboard on their way to work or wherever every single day, what mm. would you put on that billboard? It could be something inspirational. You could just put your business if you want. You can, whatever you want. Mm. It's gonna be put in sweat equity. Because <laughs> even I did that, even just getting to that, because it's like a, it's like a ground stepping stone to, to get wherever you're going. Um, I, I did a lot of events where it was like, nobody really led me down a path, nobody taught me. Everything that, that I know about business and everything that I know, it's not self-taught, it was self-sought. Mm -hmm. I went and looked for it. Nobody said, hey, this is where you get this information, this is where you get it. So, um, putting in the, the sweat equity was me going out and seeking that stuff out, figuring it out. Again, I wasn't a very good student, so I, I sucked at school. I hate books, I still do. Um, but if I can build something or work with my hands, I'm fantastic at it. Um, but it's just a stepping stone, man. So put in the sweat equity, go out and seek whatever it is. So, like I said, nobody led me down this path. I just kind of figured it out. I think if someone would have kind of said, hey, no, come over here, let me show you this way. I probably would be in, I'd be in 2025 already, if that makes any sense, instead of 2020, because I would have did it at a younger yeah, age, right? Yeah. So, um, yeah, just put in the work. Just shut up and work. Because yeah. I, I feel like too many people don't do that. Um, for us, and I'll be quite honest with you, the first few years, it was like we had our nose down and we were just grinding, grinding, working, working, and every time we came up for air, it was like, 
oh shit, we've done a lot of cool stuff. Mm. And it was like, go down and work and work and work and work and then come back again. It was like, holy shit, it's been two years, we doubled our client base, like it's crazy. Yeah. And it was like, go work, 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 and then you come back up again. It's like, oh shit, we own a, a wedding expo yeah. and we're doing all this cool stuff. Mm. And then we have these moments and it's like, dude, it's just an awesome thing, but mm. none of that stuff happens without doing the work. Yeah. So. Uh, we're about to wrap things up here. Okay. Um, I feel like we could go for another hour at least. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I know it's getting dark and we're losing light. I love the fact that you're, you said 20? Yes. And you actually are doing your own podcast. You know how many people I know that say, oh, I'm getting a podcast and they're 25, 30, 35, 40, and they haven't done it. Yeah. You're doing it. You're doing the work. It, man. Do I the appreciate work. you. I appreciate you. I appreciate everyone that's watching. Um, I still got another question to go. Let's have it. Um, and I've, I've been asking this question ever since the 10th episode. Um, when it's all said and done, you know, um, your life, um, where, what do you want people to think when they hear your name? So we're talking about legacy. Legacy. We're talking about legacy. Um, Davey D and I, he's a, he's another one of our DJ, just literally had this conversation about being able to bring joy to anybody around us, or, you know, when we can, how we can. Mm -hmm. And the fact that we get to be a small part of all of these events and all these different people's lives, it, it's pretty special. So I've, it's been a few years, over the last few years, we've had a couple of deaths within the family. And when you go to these funerals, um, a lot of the images and the pictures that are typically up, you know, around the casket or as you enter mm -hmm. are wedding day pictures. Um, and that's where it really clicked, like, holy crap, like, we're part of something really big. I mean, it's them kicking off their legacy. Mm -hmm. So our legacy is bringing joy to them. And another wedding vendor, I love sharing this, and I, I shared it on stage at the wedding expo, was uh, another vendor had shared this with another vendor, and then it got transferred to me, and I'm going to share it with all of you guys. When it comes to a wedding day, when a, on a wedding day, that's the only time in that couple's life, it's the only time, that all of their friends and all of their families are going to be in the same place at the same time. And she, she goes, no, 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 actually it's not. She goes, it's the second time, but the second time you're not there because the first time is your wedding day and the second time is your funeral. Mm -hmm. So with the weight of that, like just kind of sucked the air out of my stomach and I was like, man, that is so heavy, right? Yeah. Um, so when it comes to that one day where they have all these people there and that we can actually go in there and help them just have the best possible day that they can, mm -hmm. to me, that we just created something super special and we get calls afterwards or the next morning like, oh my God, it was so awesome when you did this, when you did that, or this happened or that happened, or because you did this, that happened, um, to be able to just be a part of that. So when it's all done and said, I, I just, I think it'd be cool for people to think that that we, we just brought a little bit of light. You know, even when people show up to wedding day, sometimes they might not be in the greatest mood. They have life yeah. going on, but mm -hmm. if we can get in that moment in time and just leave all of that at the door and just kind of, again, with your community, yeah. the one that's there, mm -hmm. just have the best possible time you can. I think that's awesome. Yeah. So again, bringing light, man. Bringing some happiness, some joy, and, and doing something that we love to do. Yeah, and, and I could tell just a little time I've been talking to you, I can tell that a couple things that you don't you don't like being in just the same place you want to keep growing and the fact that you just truly genuinely like want to bring bliss to people's lives and I think a lot of people can learn from that because they say something like I could say stuff about the community all day long mm -hmm. at the end of the day am I doing it or not and I feel like you what you've said so far is exactly what you've been doing 
And I appreciate people like you that actually do that. Awesome, I love that. And the funny part or the funny thing about that is when we talk about people trying to figure out what they want to do, mm -hmm. um, like I said before, I spent years doing a nine to five, right? Mm -hmm. Not knowing that this could be my full time, but the whole time it was under me. It was it was mm -hmm. down there doing it. So it wasn't it wasn't until I hit my late thirties that I actually took what was my hobby and my fun time and made it my full time. Yeah. So it, it, it's still out there. Some people don't know even if. You know, in your 20s, it took me till my late 30s to figure out that this is where I should be, this is where I need to be, and I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Mm -hmm. So that's going to about wrap things up. Okay. Um, is there anything that I might have missed that you want to say or you want to shout yourself out? No, no, just, anything? yeah, follow the Instagram, at Bliss Events Group, at DJ Sal Cortez, or the Bliss Events Group one will take you there. Follow us if you guys have any other questions. Are you something came up you're like i want to hear more about that dm us we'd be happy to tell you awesome thank you so much yeah absolutely for uh, taking time out of your schedule shout out to kendall once again kendall and what's up we'll see you on the next episode episode 30 uh yeah so we'll see you next time on the community pal podcast this was episode 29 of the community proud podcast <laughs>